You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. I know who did it. <gasps> who was it? It was Caitlin in the bedroom. With the microphone? Yeah. By it, do you mean recorded a podcast? Because if so, then yes, it was me who did it. Yes. And I passed the Bechdel test. (laughs) Wow. Well, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. (laughs) My name is Caitlin Durante. Uh, And this is our feminist movie podcast where we use the Bechdel test as a jumping off point to analyze famous movies. We're we're in the quarantine zone, as is everyone at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So... You know, I don't know. I don't remember life before this anymore. I don't either. Yeah. So we had hinted at possibly doing this movie during our National Treasure episode. Right. Because we're just trying to stick to the romps. We're trying to stick to the romps. I feel like it's particularly fitting in the quarantine because it's a movie pretty much exclusively taking place in one location, one house, no one really mm-hmm. leaves. Some people come in and then they die. They're self, yeah. And that's what you get when. It's a metaphor. They weren't wearing masks when they came in and mm-hmm. so they, they didn't had to wash die. their hands. They did not. They didn't. No one, you don't see anyone wash a single hand. And the house looks not, you know, it's old. It's inherently dirty. And, and there's a doctor present. He should know better. He should be telling people. There's literally someone from the World Health Organization there. Oh. And, and he's not like scrub, scrub. <laughs> big issues, big problems. Obviously, that's just a beginning of the critique we'll be talking. <laughs> about today and this is our, like our first whodunit so this will be a fun episode yeah um but first we should tell you uh, what the Bechdel test is <laughs> sure Caitlin do you remember what it is oh no it's, oh. it is slipping my mind <laughs> if memory serves it is a media metric sometimes called the Bechdel Wallace test mm-hmm. it requires that two female identifying characters 
have to have names such as Mrs. Peacock, Ooh. Miss Scarlet, Ooh. Mrs. White, the cook. The, yeah, the <laughs> nameless cook. <sighs> uh, they have to speak to each other, and that conversation cannot be about a man. I want to see if we can figure out uh, the Bechtel test version of the of crimes. Here, Here's a pitch. Okay, please, yeah. If two women with names commit a crime that has nothing to do with a man, it passes the Bechtel test crime edition. Crime edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm into that. Right. I don't think that any of the the crimes would pass the Bechtel test crime edition. In this movie. Yeah. In this particular movie where it's it's usually connected to a husband. Oh, yeah. Or something like like with Miss Scarlet, it was like men were always tangential to what was happening. For sure you know, we've got to do better. We've got to (laughs) do better crimes. (laughs) Although if the crimes are committed against men who are behaving badly, that that's okay to me. I know. I think men should be stolen from and like, that's true. But then most of the women in the movie, everyone in this movie is basically bad. True. So you're like, okay, everyone's rich. So that's not, you know, (laughs) Except for the cook who, Mm -hmm. and we don't even get to know what her name is. You know, she's the only woman of color in the movie too. Yeah. And she's killed and made fun of. Fuck. Oh, Jonathan Lynn. God damn it. (sighs) All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about and no guest today. Just us today. So just the gals. Jamie, what is your relationship history with the movie Clue? I like this movie. I didn't see it like when I was growing up or anything like that, but I've seen it. I think like it's like a good comfort movie. I love whodunits Mm -hmm. and thrillers and stuff like that. So a comedy whodunits right up my alley. I think I've seen it like, yeah, like three or four times. I rewatched it most recently after seeing Knives Out, which I think that, I mean, I was not alone here, but I watched or rewatched a ton of whodunits mm. after Knives Out came out because I really, really liked Knives Out. Same. I loved it. So yeah, there I, I'm a I'm a clue head. I'm a whodunit head. What about you? <laughs> I also didn't grow up with it, but I saw it sometime, I think, in like my late teen years mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, and I think it was just that once that I saw it. I remember really? thinking it was fun, but like... I also, I didn't play the game really at all ever growing up. I think maybe. Uh, I, I did play-, play the game. Not heavily. Mm-hmm. It's more of an operation kid. Yeah. I was a Scrabble kid myself. Oh, <laughs> smart. That's smart kid culture. Well, it's why I went on to later get a master's degree in screenwriting, which I hate to bring up, but there it is. Us one degree heads were just poking at the guy's like <laughs> liver in operation and they're like, he's dead. <laughs> I, forget how, I forget how that game works. That's more or less it. If you lose Operation, does he die? Oh, that's... Yeah, what are the stakes? I don't if know. If you lose, does a man die? <laughs> uh, that's really dark. I actually don't remember. I haven't played in so I pl- long. Oh, Jamie, I played a Shrek version of Operation. Oh, I forgot about that. It was right before I had my sludge surgery. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, get with the program. There's a whole podcast about it. Grow up. But I, I had my gallbladder removed, um, mm-hmm. but I was told that I had sludge in my gallbladder. Anyway, it was a whole thing. But the Shrek 
so you perform operations on Shrek. Yeah. And right around where a person or ogre's gallbladder would be, it said like slugs. Wow. So it looked not unlike sludge. Wow. And you had to remove the slugs out of his gallbladder area. And it was like. So the Shrek operation game was kind of like an oracle for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I <laughs> Never remember... forget Shrek. Actually, I don't. Now that we're talking about it, I think I've only played the Clue board game proper a few times but Mm -hmm. i did my cousins had simpsons clue oh and so that was i just like you could be like mr burns did it (laughs) that's it it was fun it's a fun game and it's a fun movie i'm excited to talk about it yeah and this whole genre i do love a whodunit indeed and and also um i i know we'll probably go through all of them but for if in case you're not familiar with the shtick of this movie there's three different endings. Mm-hmm. And so if you went to theaters in 1985, you would have seen one of the three endings. But in the in the cut that we that they distribute now, you just see three endings in a row and kind of like none of them make sense or are satisfying. True. <laughs> um, so that's part of the thing. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should I recap it somehow? I don't. <laughs> this is this is a difficult Let's movie. Do it. To recap. I'm... But. I'll do what I can. Thank yes, same. We have no guest mucking up the place today. <laughs> so we should be fine. <laughs> no disrespect to all of our wonderful guests. <laughs> what if this was the what if we did have a guest and they tried to murder us? Oh, <laughs> Oh wow, things my I don't know about everyone else, but my mental state is unraveling. <laughs> oh, I'm deteriorating rapidly. Mm-hmm. Really having some <laughs> weird thoughts. Weird, weird thoughts. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, bear with us. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so the movie clue starts we're in New England. Ever heard of it? <laughs> yes. Um it's nineteen fifty four, the year that uh my mother was born. Oh, so wow. shout out to Lori. Hi, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dark and stormy night. And Wadsworth, mm. the butler, played by Tim Curry, our king, an icon. Also, the the second most popular Tim Curry movie that starts on a dark and stormy night in a mansion. Wait, the other one being, oh, Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. He's all about that dark and stormy mansion, that Tim Curry. He does just kind of look like he belongs in a dark and stormy mansion. That's true. It makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he arrives at said mansion because there's a dinner party that night. He and other staff members are making preparations. Uh, He checks in on the maid, a.k.a. Yvette. Mm -hmm. Then he checks in with the cook. Guests start arriving. Mm-hmm. They've all received a letter from a man who lives at the mansion, question mark, and has invited them to this dinner party. Mm-hmm. He has given them all an alias. So when the guests arrive, they are addressed as Colonel Mustard. He gets there first. That's uh, Martin Mole. Yeah, icon. Jean Parmesan from mm-hmm. uh, Arrested Development. Uh, uh, <laughs> so good. Next to arrive is Mrs. White, that's Madeline Kahn, mm-hmm. then Mrs. Peacock, 
played by Eileen Brennan. And who you're for a second, you're like Susan Sarandon because you're so used to seeing her in Tim Curry movies about dark and stormy nights, but it's not her. See, I think uh, Miss Scarlet looks like Susan. Oh Sarandon wait, that's a who bit. I was talking. That's who I was talking about. Never yeah. mind. Mrs. Peacock is uh, has like the feathered hat. It is very hard to keep the characters' names straight. It truly <laughs> is. I have my notes might be jumbled. Also because most of them, I would say, except for Mrs. Peacock, have a name that is related to a color, either a color specifically or like mustard, Mm -hmm. yellow, of course. Um, There's Mr. Green. He shows up next. There's Mrs. White, Miss Scarlet. That's Mm -hmm. a color. And then Professor Plum, Plum, purple, purple. But no one wears the color of the name that they are given, which is um, rude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So then Mr. Green shows up. That's uh, Michael McKean. And then outside down the road, we have uh, Miss Scarlet. That's uh, Leslie Ann Warren. She has car trouble. And then Professor Plum, played by Christopher Lloyd, who was having a great year in 1985, because this is also when Back to the Future came out. Yeah, I think that if Back to the Future had come out before this, he probably wouldn't be in this movie. Oh. So this is like the last chance you could get Christopher Lloyd in like a supporting, supporting role. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he drives by, picks up Miss Scarlet, and they both arrive at the mansion. And everyone sits down for dinner, but no one knows what's going on, really, who anybody else is. But they all start chatting, and they figure out that everyone has ties to Washington, D.C. And it's also like the McCarthy era, so you're, it, t- it took a while for me to like click in what they were doing with the historical like setting. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, why were they going through the trouble of having this in 1954? But it's all vaguely, I'm like, is this movie trying to say something? If so... <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I think they might be sort of trying to say something by setting it in the McCarthy era. And it's like a bunch of Washington elite in the McCarthy era. Well, because a little later on, we find out that this Mr. Body guy is blackmailing everyone because they're like, you're un-American. And instead of reporting you to the like House Un-American Activities Committee. I'm going to make money because capital. It's like it's very campy commentary where that's the one moment where you're like, oh, that's what they're trying to to say okay like and then yeah you just but, and then move on in all three endings you find out that communism was a red herring and it's like what are you talking about right it's so campy that i'm like i don't know i don't know how much of it is like camp and how much of it is like good americans you know yeah. like I, I, also jonathan lind is british so he might just be making fun of americans in general True. we don't know we don't watch this movie for the message okay <laughs> Speak for yourself, Jamie. <laughs> I'm looking for incisive political commentary yes. and clue the movie. It's an allegory for the Red Scare. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so then the seventh guest arrives, Mr. Body. And Wadsworth is like, hey, everyone, the reason that you're all here is that you're being blackmailed. And then we find out the various reasons each character is being blackmailed, such as uh, Professor Plum is a former psychiatrist who lost his license because he assaulted his female patients. Yikes. Yep. And that's a joke. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, Mrs. Peacock takes shady political bribes on behalf of her politician husband. Her husband. Her husband. <laughs> 
Miss um, Scarlet runs an escort service. Mm-hmm. Colonel Mustard is a client of that escort service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. White probably killed her husband. And then you later find out probably killed five Several husbands. husbands. <laughs> Mrs. White's character gets better and better as the movie goes on. For sure. She's, she's yeah. fine. And then Mr. Green is gay and has to stay in the closet to keep his job in the State Department. Yes. So those are all the reasons they are being blackmailed. I do at least appreciate that Mr. Green opens by saying, I am not ashamed of it, Mm -hmm. but it is basically he's like, I'm not ashamed of it. However, it is 1954. Right. (laughs) That's more than I expected of a 1985 movie. So I'll give a little tip of the hat. Yeah. There's a whole conversation to be had about the way all of that is framed. Yeah. um, Yeah. And then we learn that Mr. Body is the one who is blackmailing everyone. But Wadsworth is like, good news. The police will be here in 45 minutes and you can tell the police that you're being blackmailed and Mr. Body can be brought to justice. Mm. Then Mr. Body gives everyone a weapon, which are a candlestick, a noose, pipe, wrench, gun, and dagger. And he's like here's the thing if you expose me you're also exposing yourself for whatever it is that you're being blackmailed for (laughs) but if one of you kills wadsworth then this whole thing can be over Mm -hmm. so mr body shuts off the light then there's a thud a gunshot and a scream and when the light is turned back on it's mr body who has been killed Mr. body's (gasps) a great character name i don't know why it's so like (laughs) it's so icky um mm-hmm. yeah you can't kill tim curry this early in the movie it doesn't happen certainly no, not no, no. no tim curry is such a champion in this movie where like if you think about like how much more dialogue he has than everyone because he's just like paragraphs of exposition at a time just on it you're mm-hmm. like what a professional right Ah, <laughs> uh, incredible everyone starts freaking out uh no one knows who killed mr body or with what weapon then Wadsworth reveals his motive for wanting Mr. Body to be brought to justice, which is that his wife, his wife, his wife, <laughs> was being blackmailed by Mr. Body, which led her to end her life. And this is where we get the whole, like, Mr. Body thought you were all doing something un-American. Right. So everyone's bad. No one's good. No one is good. <laughs> And that's part of what makes whodunits fun is that people, everyone is usually... Everyone's a suspect. And it's... Well, I can't wait to talk about whodunits in class. Anyways, continue. Oh. <gasps> oh. <laughs> really? Um, okay. Then they find another dead body. The cook has been killed in the kitchen with the dagger. Yes. The only woman of color. The only person whose name we don't learn. Mm-hmm. And then she gets like one or two lines of dialogue before she is murdered. Yeah, yeah. This movie is not thoughtful in terms of um, non-white characters really at all. True. Um, So then they all come back into the room, which... And I was losing track of what room was what in this movie, but I think they're in the study. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Body's body is gone. Uh, but then they find it again, and this time it is bloody, and he is definitely dead. Right. Then a motorist shows up at the doorstep and needs to use the phone because his car broke down. So they lock him in the lounge, I think. 
There's so many. It's a mansion. You're just like too many. Fucking rich people in their m- many, in their many rooms. rooms. And they all, they're like, oh, a library, a study, uh, a billiards room, a lounge. Especially right now where we're all like locked in small spaces to various capacities. I'm like, how dare you? Right. Have multiple floors? Grow up. Not fair. Uh. <laughs> Um, so they, they lock him in the lounge and they decide that they should search the rest of the house to make sure there's no one else who might be in there who is just like popping up to commit a murder and then like go back into hiding. So they split into pairs and search the house and everyone still suspects everyone else of being the murderer. We don't know who's done it. We don't know. They also like kind of uncharacteristic for a whodunit. Like they don't, the movie doesn't super try to convince you it's any specific person. I feel like usually whodunit movies are like, ooh, this guy's looking pretty suspicious. Mm-hmm. But that's movie, hearing. you're kind of just like watching people walk around a really nice house. But but it's fun. That's true. I'm surprised there's not a character named like Mr. Red herring oh yes <laughs> he was the red herring of course mm-hmm. but communism is the red herring i guess That's, what? i'm like i'm like sure i don't like and then by the time this comes out it's the reagan administration so god only knows where everyone's values were at so it's <laughs> <laughs> a disaster oh um, yeah so they're searching the house and while they're searching we see the motorist get murdered with the wrench in the lounge mm-hmm. but by whom who done it? Whom done we it? Whom done it? <laughs> Whom's done it? <laughs> then Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet discover a secret passage, which was how the murderer snuck into the lounge to kill the motorist. Right. Uh, and then a random cop shows up and searches the house, and they have to pretend to like make out with the dead bodies. It's I forgot disturbing. about that part. I always forget about it and it makes me laugh so much. It's such a funny (laughs) scene where they're like making out with the corpses, especially the one where they're holding like the cook between two people. And you're just like, oh, it's so it's so gross. Um, It's so funny. Then Mustard and Scarlet find another secret passage that leads from the kitchen into the study. Mm-hmm. Then the murderer turns the power off in the house. <gasps> and then in the dark, I know, <gasps> spooky. Ah! <laughs> and in the dark, whoever the murderer is, kills Yvette the maid with the rope in the billiards room, mm. then kills the police officer with the pipe in the library. I think there's a book in there. There's a book, Seems so it's a library. <laughs> could be possible. Um, and then the murderer shoots the singing telegram lady who shows up. So now there are six murders total. Mm. And then Wadsworth is like, guess what? I know what happened and who's behind it. He's figured out who done it. How does Tim Curry not get a golden globe for this ending <laughs> performance oh my gosh the writing is like not really doing much but he's like whew, whew. he's like sebastian maniscalco like running around <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so good he's zipping he's dashing um yeah basically what happens is in order for any of this movie to make sense He's like, I have to take you through the events of the evening step by step. And then he basically goes into a Caitlin's famous recap <laughs> where he just recaps the entire movie that we've already seen. 
if you like fell down every five seconds of the recap, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like prop fall after prop. Oh, it's so good. I should start doing that. You should. Yeah. You'll get a golden globe. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but here's the thing. Some new information gets revealed during this recap, which is that when they first found Mr. Body dead, he was only pretending to be dead. <gasps> and then we also find out that... Yvette and the cook were Mr. Body's accomplices that helped him collect info on the people who he would later blackmail. Mm -hmm. Then Wadsworth figures out that Yvette killed the cook and then killed Mr. Body. Mm -hmm. Um, But who killed Yvette and the others? Who done it? Well, it was Miss Scarlet. In this one. For reasons that I've already forgotten. Right. (laughs) In in this ending. So this is ending A. Yeah, there's a... (laughs) I also was reading about an elusive fourth ending that they shot but cut from the movie because it was they were like it was too stupid. I'm like, oh, it, it would have had to have been really stupid because the three yeah. that you get are total nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the second one, ending B, like the movie says, that's how it could have happened. But what if this happens? And it's that Mrs. Peacock is the murderer. Mm-hmm. Again, for reasons I forget what her whole motive her was. Her husband. Something about her husband and, and some nuclear physicist some plan for a fusion bomb or something. Yeah, it's all very <laughs> 1950s. You're like, mm-hmm. sure. But then we get how the movie claims is what really happened, which is that so basically everyone, each person kills one other person. So Plum killed Mr. Body. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Peacock killed the cook. Colonel Mustard killed the motorist. Mrs. White killed Yvette. Miss Scarlet killed the cop. Wadsworth killed the singing telegram lady. <laughs> That's so it's so funny when the, they killed the singing te- telegram lady. <laughs> She's just like, ba 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 it's so funny and then it turns out that wadsworth is mr body yeah so mr green shoots wadsworth because he's an fbi plant and then all the fbi guys come in and they're like woohoo we saved the day we're like woo cops (laughs) so that's the story with its various endings let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back to discuss This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. Uh, okay, you know what? I think this is a good challenge. <laughs> Feminism in Clue the Movie. I, I guess I wanted to start with uh, just a little like women in whodunits at large. Please, yes. Um, because I've seen many, many, many of them. There's pros and cons uh, to the portrayal of women in whodunits. Mm -hmm. So obviously our most recent whodunit uh, that did really well was Knives Out. I really enjoyed that movie. I feel like hopefully mm -hmm, we'll probably do an episode on it at some point, probably. Yeah. But yeah, I think that the the female characters in that story are fully fleshed out. Like the hero of the story is a woman and not a person that's in this, like, I don't know, 900% of these stories concern wealthy white people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to like, and I think that, in some way, I, I hope that we get whodunits that take place outside of that world. The closest thing I could find is Identity, which is technically a whodunit, and that's like a gritty whodunit. Oh, yeah. I saw that. John Cusack is in it, I think. Yeah. And that at least doesn't like concern rich people. It's still all white people, but it's not all uh -huh. rich people, and it's supposed to be great. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a fine movie, but... In general, it concerns wealthy white people trying to figure out who murdered a wealthy white person. And the answer is always another wealthy white person. Mm -hmm. um, so so that is kind of the history of the genre. I, it's definitely capable of more, but that's basically what it's been so far. Kind of including and like with some, even though Knives Out has twists, it still concerns a wealthy white family. Mm -hmm. Anyways, as far as women go, more women write whodunits than men in literature where there is uh -huh, like a huge yeah. legacy of female mystery authors that go into the present. Obviously, Ag Agatha Christie is the most famous one who wrote whodunits specifically, mm -hmm. but there is a huge legacy of female mystery writers, female whodunit writers, and female detectives in media, like your Nancy Drews and Murder, She Wrote, and, and on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and even though Her Hercule Poirot is a guy, he was written by Agatha Christie. So there's... A lot of female representation in on the novel side. There is no female representation 
in the movie adaptations of these female penned stories. Mm-hmm. None of this super applies to Clue because it is it being adapted from a board game uh, <laughs> was written and rewritten by like four different men before the director ended up getting the writing credit. But there was like so many. Anthony Perkins did a draft of this script. Wow. Uh, Stephen Sondheim did a draft of this script. Tom Stoppard, like the famous playwright, did a draft of this script. Didn't John Landis also work on it? Or see, like he has like a story by credit. He, yeah, he he was involved in it in the beginning. He was originally supposed to direct, but it's uh, with the exception of feminist icon Deborah Hill, um, who mm-hmm. also produced. We talked about her on the show before because of her um, spearheading the Halloween franchise. Yeah. But with the exception, this movie, it's it's like the original stories are written by women and in Hollywood, they've only, I mean, down to Ryan Johnson, basically only been adapted by men. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the thing. I think I'm curious in your opinion on this, Caitlin, they still definitely work misogyny into this story and mm-hmm. they work misogyny into most of these stories a lot of times when you see the room full of rich white people the women in the room are someone's his wife mm-hmm. or they're defined by their sexuality they're never defined by their job they usually take place in the past which i think people use as a justification for them to not have a job mm-hmm. but what i like about this is like a but like just because of how a whodunit has to work, I like that for the story to work, you have to give the female characters agency. Otherwise, you're not going to suspect them. That's true. <laughs> so in that way, I feel like it's one of the only movie genres that like empowering your female characters to a, a certain extent is like a necessity. Mm-hmm. And so that is partially why I like whodunits they're just fun but that makes sense <laughs> i don't know that's my, that's uh my context corner for the whodunit genre i appreciate it thank you it also yeah. reminds me of we've had this conversation not a ton but i've noticed in various slasher movies i've watched that there seems to be gender parody yeah in the cast of usually teenagers but it's because they need women there to have sex with the boys that are there Mm -hmm. uh, so that the women can then be killed for having had sex so that they can Uh. die (laughs) Um, yeah yeah this is i this is weirdly i mean it's not a very horny movie and i and i like that for this movie Mm -hmm. this movie does feel like it could have very easily been a cartoon and i mean that as a compliment it is quite cartoony (laughs) yeah um, so that's the this is by far, I think, like the goofy like it's basically a parody of whodunit movies, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird to watch now because they're not very popular anymore or they just became popular again. So you're like there are certain tropes that they're making fun of that you're like, oh, is that a thing? I guess so. Whatever. Yeah, I feel like it was far more popular in like the film noir era. And I have a whole thing, a whole spiel on femme fatales. But um... it has a resurgence in the 70s as well. There's Mm. a bunch of like solid ones from the 70s. The best one, IMO, being The Last of Sheila, which is a which is a boat whodunit. And it's really fun. It's (laughs) it's super, super fun. And and Anthony Perkins uh, was involved in writing that, which is why they asked him to write Clue. Uh, But he was just like, it's a lot of people quit Clue. No one can crack the story. And some could argue 
They never did. They never did. (laughs) (laughs) I love when movies are adapted from a board game or a Disney park park ride. ride. (laughs) And then sometimes they have the audacity to be fun movies. Mm -hmm. But it's no wonder when the stories are often flimsy at best uh, because the source material is a game or a theme park ride but yeah in the, in the <laughs> 70s you had murder on the orient express the original one you had the last of sheila you had uh what else did you have the beast must die that's a that's a weird one death on the nile that's a good one so like this would be coming like off of people would have more of a frame of reference than they do for it now like we basically just have knives out is really the only who done it of our generation the I more guess. contemporary one sure yeah well, that that brings me to a section of my notes that I have entitled Women Be Murdering. Um, <laughs> so I'll start there. Hit it. And this kind of uh, focuses on the endings of the movie. So we've mm-hmm. got the three endings. So in ending A, which is the one where Yvette kills the first two victims and then Miss Scarlet kills the rest. Right. Um, so that's, the, that's ending A. Ending B is when Mrs. Peacock has killed everyone Mm -hmm. in all versions of the story mrs white is thought to have killed various husbands of hers so when you include mrs white between these first two endings there are four people who have committed murder Mm -hmm. in either the backstory or on screen and they are all women which reminded me of sort of the femme fatale archetype which is something we haven't talked about a lot because we haven't really covered any film noir or neo-noir i think the closest we got to really talking about it was in our who framed roger rabbit episode yeah uh, which is behind the paywall on the matreon (laughs) Uh, but yeah yeah we haven't discussed it much yes so I felt as though at least a few of the female characters in the story have some femme fatale traits. Especially Miss Scarlet. Miss Scarlet for sure. Mrs. White, I feel like there's some things there. Yeah. Um, I would like to cover a, a film noir sometime soon because I think it would be really interesting to talk about the femme fatale for sure. trope. Get on our Karina Longworth wave. Oh, yeah. What's the What's the really famous one? Double Indemnity. So. I haven't seen that since film school, oh. where I only went once. Um, <laughs> In any case, I was like, oh, this is a, you know, it feels like there's these femme fatale-like characters present in the story, mm-hmm. which I couldn't help but notice that, like, at least in the first two endings, it's like, oh, there are, like, four evil women who be murdering everybody. My main thing is because it's like... We have to, be, like, it is, we, I, I kind of wonder, and they've never leaked what the fourth ending was. I'm like, was there murder parody if you had all four endings? Because it definitely does lean female heavy. I'm like, because there's a fourth one, maybe it ended up being closer. But yeah, with the way it ends, my my issue is, uh, I kind of like that they end up doing the murders because at least I'm like, well, at least they're doing things, you know, at least, at least they they're active. <laughs> but my my main thing is how, more how they're like just in a movie that's so goofy and you can write anyone as anyone. Mm-hmm. They're still relegated to being wives with the exception of Miss Scarlet, who 
I feel like, you know, it, she she runs a business, but I feel like she even is like shoved in a corner of like, well, of course she wouldn't work for the government like all the men in the room. You know, she mm-hmm. runs. I don't know. I mean, I, I like all the female characters and I like they're all so cartoony and fun. And it's kind of a bummer that all these male writers couldn't imagine past them being wives or sex workers mm-hmm. like that is I feel like very telling of the authors because I don't think that there's clue I don't I actually I'll, I'll look that up I don't know if there's board game canon of like the people that these are supposed to be because they're given like board game canon names but the characters like the Washington DC-ness is totally inherent to the movie so they could be anybody uh-huh um so I was bummed out by the endless choices and then they were still relegated to the same kind of stereotypical roles for sure and i i I have a feeling like the writers and the filmmakers would have justified that by being like well we said it in the 50s when you know women were housewives and it's like first of all not every woman and yeah. uh, secondly, you didn't have to do that. And you didn't thir- have to like, set it in the 50s, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh, I, yeah, that's always such a weak excuse to me. I'm just like, no one has a gun to Jonathan Lynn's head being like, you better set it at a time that was difficult for women. You could have easily said that <laughs> in the 80s. And you're right. Like, women were in the workforce in the 50s. Yeah, plenty of women had careers in the 50s. Uh, it's so, Why yeah. not? So, right. It's just kind of, it's just a, a bummer choice in general because it could be more satisfying to see them do the murders if they were given, I mean, just, like, comparable motives to, to the male characters, I guess. The only, like, the it, it's, I feel like it's a total waste of Mrs. Peacock. And also there's like Mrs. and Ms. And like, they're always given these very like feminine, you know, identifiers of like, is she married or is she not married? Exactly. Exactly. Which is, I mean, that's not a problem inherent to Clue, but. uh, (laughs) Whereas like there's Professor Plum, there's Mm -hmm. Colonel Mustard, you know, they have these like. They're defined by their jobs, but the women can't have jobs. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was disappointed in that. I still, I, I Mrs. White, I, f- I feel like Mrs. White is at least like there is some, I guess I wouldn't call it like commentary necessarily, but <laughs> at, at least with her, I feel like they are like poking fun at a trope that is seen in these movies of like, I feel like she's almost like a little bit of a like satirical femme fatale because mm-hmm. she femme fatales in the same way over and over and over and over. Um, which is kind of funny. She has a, a line of dialogue when she says, um, husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. Yeah. And we're like, yes, feminist icon Mrs. White. Because like, it's right in that moment when right. we find out she's had five husbands who she has presumably killed them all. all. Them. And yeah. someone asks her, like, how many husbands have you had, Mrs. White? And she's like, mine or other women's or something like that. And it's like, oh, so she also, like, fucks a bunch of other people's husbands as well. Right. And then she tries uh. to, like, seduce Wadsworth at the end. And you're just like, or one of the ends, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember which one. There, <laughs> I, My favorite Mrs. White quote is when she goes, it's a matter of life after death. Now that he's dead, I have a life. And you're like, <laughs> Funny, it's funny, also funny. right around then that she says life after death is as improbable as sex after marriage. And it's like, oh, she's literally girl. like a Kathy comic. Like she's such a <laughs> like 
She's like a magnet on your mom's fridge. Like, oh, oh, oh. Do you think she's just like really horny and she marries a man and once they get married, they like don't want to have sex with her anymore. So she just kills them so she can like marry the next guy. I I, I kind of like that it's not specified. I feel like it would have been a very easy throwaway joke for them to like label her as like a gold digger or like something like that. But we don't know why she kills all her husbands. We're like, that's just her thing. That's what she does. I really, I, I, I stand Mrs. White. Same. <laughs> I really like her. And that um I found out that the this was like a very heavily scripted movie, but at the end, the like one bit of improv that made it into the movie was whatever the ending is where she is like explaining why she did it and she's like, The flames were at my face. The flames, the flames. <laughs> I guess she just like made that up and it stayed. You can tell that's improvised because it's not very tight. Because that makes <laughs> no sense. Um Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Woo! This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. All right. So my main issue or one of my main issues with the movie is the violence that is enacted against women. Yeah. Um, which be so okay. So this is a 
movie where there's a lot of cartoony but still pretty brutal violence that happens to a lot of different characters of of all genders such as a bunch of people are murdered but but the way it's done to women is different it's different women are assaulted physically or sexually to a greater extent and it's sometimes like not even as a murder. Sometimes it's just as a sight gag. Exactly. Where there's a few examples. Of yeah, that. so yeah. I, ha- I have a list of examples. Hit it. Professor Plum grabs Miss Scarlet's ass at the very beginning. Gets its own insert shot. So Why? It's, I guess, to establish that he is horny because we f- later find out his backstory of having his medical license being revoked because right. he assaulted his female patients which again like you mentioned jamie is played as a joke for the most part and he continues to assault women throughout the movie Mm -hmm. yep as Um, a joke though mr body grabs yvette's ass at dinner mrs peacock is screaming after she thinks she's might have been poisoned Mm -hmm. and mr green slaps her across the face and then he goes like what i had to get her to stop screaming yeah and then later wadsworth slaps her again when he's recreating that moment with his like little recap yeah with caitlin and caitlin has never slapped someone during a recap for the record (laughs) um it's true but yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think that there's a few moments there where it's just like the joke is like women be hysterical. Mm-hmm, right. There's a lot of like moments of I mean, and there's a few moments where men are screaming, but it's far outnumbered by like usually Mrs. Peacock. But also it's it's the um, Yvette at one point. But it's just like, you know, women be hysterical is is alive and well in this movie. Right. Women be overreacting. Women be uh, women be fainting. We have women several different. It's And I think it's mostly Mrs. Peacock, but she faints a number of times. Mm hmm. Then we see the cook. She pretty early in the story gets murdered. Her dead body is lugged and dragged around, dropped, trampled on. They also like mock her body as well. Like they make it seem like she's really difficult to lift. And it's just, it's so like, I mean, there's only two people of color in this movie and they are both killed almost instantly mm-hmm. and to add insult to injury yeah the cook does not even get a name and her, they like make fun of her they body shame her corpse and you're just like what on earth totally because she's a plus-size woman and the movie goes out of its way to show how difficult it is for the other characters to like lift her and carry her yeah. and she's like yeah she's totally body shamed even after her death it's horrible. Yeah, the, it's a very body normative casting process. So it's very mm-hmm. like, it's very egregious the way that that's presented. For sure. Uh, a few more examples on this list is that um, the characters are looking at Colonel Mustard's compromising sex photos. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. White says, no one can get into that position. And Professor Plum's like, sure, they can. Let me show you. And then he like grabs Mrs. White kind of pushes her down on a couch and then like gets on top of her to demonstrate this thing. And she's like, oh, get off of me. Mm. Oh, we see Professor Plum rest his hand on the cook's butt uh, again after she's dead. Yeah. For no reason. Just just to a visual joke, I guess. There's a yeah. I mean, I think most of the like assaults on women and and the I mean, none of them are not jokes. They're all Mm -hmm. they're all jokes. The logic is very like this is how you treat women but at an 11 right yeah 
Uh, and then there was, I think, one more that I noticed, which is that um, Colonel Mustard and Miss Scarlet are searching the house together. They like go into a dark room and he's like, what room is this? And she says, search me, as in like, I don't know. But then he starts groping her and she has to be like, get your mitts off of me. So, yeah, it's just women being assaulted constantly. And then I would argue, and there's a whole conversation to be had about Mr. Green's sexuality. Mm -hmm. But except for in the third ending when they, they like undo him being a queer man. Right. You assume for most of the movie that he is gay because he identifies himself as such. Yeah. Um, But I would argue that he is also more brutalized than the other straight male characters there's a bunch of scenes where like there and again there's a lot of scenes where like a lot of the characters are being rough with each other right but i feel like mr green gets the worst of it because you see that scene where you know wadsworth is dragging him around and throwing him down on the floor during the recap and then he's also slapped twice yeah by two different men at the end of this like at the second ending I feel like that is supposed to like directly imply that you would treat a queer man the way you would treat a woman. A woman. Which is, mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. The only part of, I mean, it's Mr. Green's character. I mean, it's just, it's complicated. It's weird. I mean, <laughs> there's one, yeah, there, you're right. There's one ending where they totally undo it and they're like, just kidding, no homo. And that's like the ending joke of that version of the movie because he says like i'm an fbi plant and i'm gonna go home and have sex with my wife because like i couldn't tell if that was like if that was undoing it or if that was him like lying to his co-workers i wasn't sure what we were. oh i didn't even that. consider that i thought maybe that the way i interpreted it although like i think that it's easily interpreted your way as well was that he because he says at the beginning like i am a gay man i am not ashamed of this mm-hmm. um but if my workplace finds out i'll be fired and at the end he's in front of all his co-workers so i thought he was like gotta go have sex with my wife bye that very well could be the case my interpretation of it was that like and this is maybe just like my bechdel goggles like clouding my vision a little too much sometimes (laughs) and me being very cynical but i was like oh because he's allowed to be the hero in this version of the story Mm. they're not going to allow him to be gay his declaration of of being a gay man is was fake like revoked listeners sound off yeah Mm -hmm. i think that there there's different ways to look at it i guess i'll optimistically hope that he is like just kidding i'm going home to my communist boyfriend (laughs) i hope i hope that too um, but yeah, no, I, I do agree that he's like treated physically different than mm-hmm. the um, identified hetero guys right. in in the story. Um, it, it's frustrating because it's like 1985, we have a queer character who it's not coded. They mm-hmm. state it. There's no shame involved with it. But even in that scene where he says, like, I'm not ashamed of it, you cut to three different characters who clearly think it's gross. For sure. Um, where everyone's like, oh, what? Uh? Uh-huh. And then. And then it's kind of like, I mean, like every, every like suspect character, you don't just, there's too many. You can't spend that much time with them, Mm -hmm. but then it just kind of like disappears. I don't know. I don't like, I like that choice for a character and like in the era they choose to set the movie in, which they did not have to, but like they do. Mm -hmm. I like that there's some queer representation. I just don't like that, how it unfolds and how it's really handled. So it's, it stinks. The first like 
30 seconds of it is like really cool and then it becomes not cool anymore because in addition to him saying like i feel no guilt or shame about that Mm -hmm. the movie allows him to come out himself like because wadsworth is he's outing everyone else's wrongdoings or whatever it is that they're being blackmailed for Mm. and then finally it comes to mr green and he stands up and he's like here's my thing so like Mm -hmm. no one outs him he's the only person that's done nothing wrong also (laughs) exactly totally right yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, he like, he comes out himself. No one outs him. Cause like Wadsworth was, you know, revealing everyone else's secrets, but Mr. Green comes out himself. So the fact that he was, the movie allows him to do that was interesting and unexpected for me. I kind of wonder because there were so many drafts of this script, it's kind of impossible to track who that belonged to. But Anthony Perkins was a queer writer. I'm like, maybe that's an Anthony Perkins thing. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I wonder. I, I, I wonder. But um, queer visibility in the movie clue. But yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what our queer listeners think about that. And if you have any additional insights, mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah. We already touched on the very limited number of, of people of color in the movie. The cook, the cop are the only two. They are not given actual names. They're both minor characters who were killed not long after we meet them. They didn't need to kill the cop like that. I was like bummed. I was bummed out. Um, and I always am bummed out that they, because he's a, such a fun character. Mm-hmm. He enters and it's kind of fun to have like a a bumbling cop character who's like everything looks fine to me and everyone's like you know humping corpses and it's funny and he's like they're just having a good time right it's so it's so funny he's like this man's drunk (laughs) like (laughs) dead drunk dead right yeah there's there's so much dumb wordplay in this movie i like it (laughs) um yeah there was no I, i don't think that that character needed to die and he like that's a fun character to keep in the mix for the rest of the movie Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And then let's not forget the reveal that Mrs. Peacock's favorite recipe was monkey brains, quote, though popular Mm. in Cantonese cuisine are not, you know, often found in Washington, D.C. or whatever. Yeah. So just a racist little detail that absolutely didn't need to be there. Yeah. This movie, it's weird because it's like this movie is very of its time. And then it's also very of the 1950s. So it's just like two eras that uh, don't fare well for most people that are not (laughs) straight white guys in one movie. Mm -hmm. Tim Curry, can't say it enough, though. He's great. Oh, love him. <laughs> things, things, uh, facts about there. There was like a a, a pretty good um, oral history style piece about Clue that came out. Um, I think in 2013. Mm-hmm. That just kind of tracks. There's not. I mean, there there's not a lot of you know wildness behind the scenes of this movie. It was written and rewritten by a bunch of different men. A bunch of writers quit to the point where the director had to finish it. The closest thing I could find to any controversy behind the scenes was the costuming. I guess that Jonathan Lynn definitely needlessly um, had his female actors wear really constrictive corsets during the course of, which is like, wasn't even a thing in the 50s, really. So no, what is this? Titanic? Right. Doing up Rose's corset. So they all had to like wear these brutal corsets and they just like laid out these like diagonal 
boards so that if the women like felt short of breath, they could just lean against the board and oh catch their God. breath and keep shooting. So that's that's not very thoughtful. Meanwhile, I read that um, like between takes, because there's the billiards room where there was oh, an yeah, actual the, the like, guys pool would play table billiards. and stuff. The men would play pool and the women had to like you know, lie down because of their painful costume. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and then speaking of costumes, uh, we've got Yvette's French maid costume. Yes. Which, and she's like a French character. I don't even know what to even say about that besides like, that's ridiculous. Her whole character is essentially a visual joke in many mm-hmm. different ways where it's like her her boobs are very much out it's a very short like it it's more of a french made costume that you would see in like a soft porn than yeah in, or like on ha- like halloween like people right. being like i'm a sexy french maid <laughs> right and it's like the 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 actress who who played um yvette let me get her name like colleen camp she was like completely on board with it um she thought it was funny it wasn't like it wasn't the situation where she like she didn't want to be presented in that way. She was, mm-hmm. you know, fi- fine with it. But I mean, it is just it's such a male gazy. Like there's that really long shot from the top of the stairs down onto her cleavage that is just it's a long shot strictly because you're supposed to be ogling her boobs. Like that's mm-hmm. just a vis- they make they make a visual joke of her a lot. And I mean, I guess that the the only argument for it is that the actress was in on the joke and okay with it but it's still it's just like it's just juvenile and dumb right yeah i mean if she wanted to wear it and she was cool with it you know more power to her her body her choice but but yeah i mean i I think in the costuming department and because it's clear that the character was written as being presented that way it's like a pretty clear like male gaze visual joke but yeah she's cool so i don't know Ooh, also so let's talk about the weapons, shall we? I was wondering, okay, <laughs> are there, because we talk so much about women's weapons, are there mm-hmm. any actual weapons given to women? I, I couldn't track which weapon went to which person. Here's what I remember. I didn't write down exactly who was gifted what, but from memory. Because there are some household objects, but then there's also some weapons. Professor Plum receives the gun. Okay. Mrs. Peacock receives, I think she's the one who gets the dagger. Oh, okay. Miss Scarlet, Miss Scarlet gets the candlestick. So mm, she is a okay. woman who gets the household item. At very least, this is board game canon, but. That's, yeah. Mrs. White gets the rope. Okay. Um, Colonel Mustard gets, I think, the wrench. Okay. Sort of a weapon. I don't know. A tool yeah. more than anything. Mr. Green, which one does he get? Oh, the pipe. Mm-hmm. So the main one that's a like domestic, you know, like kind of more, I guess none of them are very gendered mm-hmm. items, except maybe you could argue that like the candlestick is like a more decor yeah. than anything else. And if we're... Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess we do see it in various, I, and again, I'm like, I can't track the endings of this, but the we do see Yvette shoot a gun. Like there's, like women mm-hmm. do get to use weapons in this movie. And especially because in two out of th- the three endings, they are the culprits for the most part. Right, yes. Um, we get to see them using them. We see Yvette also stab the cook with the dagger. In yes, yeah. That one ending. We also, but then we see Yvette kill mr body with the candlestick which is again of those items it's the one that's the most sort of like 
domestic item. Right. But then Professor Plum uses it to... Can we also revoke him of his professor title because he's a fucking rapist? Um, well, it's the 50s. He'd never get fired for being a rapist. Mr. Plum, I'll call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses the candlestick. So, yeah, it feels like there's kind of like... It doesn't feel to me that the movie subscribes to anything like the women have to use like, quote, feminine items and the yeah. men get to use like actual weapons. That's a relief. OK, because I, I, I was I liked that in I mean, I don't really like all the endings kind of suck. But but <laughs> the fact that you do get to see women like they're not relegated to certain weapons. Mm-hmm. That is that's a pro. Yeah. Feminist icon lead pipe. Yes, you. I love to see a lead pipe connecting. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Carrie Fisher was supposed to be Miss Scarlet in this movie, and then um, she wasn't able to do the movie. So mm, that makes me sad. She would have been so good in this. I know. Well, speaking of Miss Scarlet, I don't remember exactly how much we touched on this or not. But so she's like a sex worker. She runs yeah. she runs her own business. Yes. She runs an escort service and mm. she seems to be like proud of her work. Um, so whether or not other characters are obviously other characters think that her work is unsavory because she's being blackmailed for it. Mm. But um, there's no shame that she feels attached to her work. I like I mean, I guess my... <laughs> I'm like, and this is like asking more of Clue than I could possibly give you. But it does, (laughs) some of the endings get into like, oh, this was a former employee of hers and blah, 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 where Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool, she has her own business. She is like sex worker representation. But then I'm always like, "Mm, but if she's the boss, like... I, I need some more information. How does she treat her employees who are True. also all women? Is she protecting them? Is she selling them out to? Well, yeah, because and that brings that'll bring me to some like motive things I want to talk about. But um, I think it's the f- like ending a the first one we see. She mm-hmm. says the line, like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Right. So apparently she loves capitalism. <laughs> She well, everyone in this movie loves capitalism so much. Um, yeah, so I like uh, like it's like some representation, but I don't think it's it's particularly right. Good. Everyone, everyone in this story except for Mr. Green is a horrible person. <laughs> right. Just canonically, they're all bad, bad, bad. What is it? Isn't it Colonel Mustard? You find out that he like took like radio parts from different like world war ii um like fighter jets and then a bunch it killed a bunch of like american soldiers and he's like what i love money i was confused about that (laughs) i love i mean that actor martin mull like shout out to him he's he is gene parmesan he was he's (laughs) been he was um willard craft on sabrina the teenage witch oh wow uh he was on danny phantom and he was on my favorite obscure 70s um soap opera mary hartman mary hartman not familiar with that one he's a he's a camp icon he's wonderful Amazing. everything he does is so goofy <laughs> um so yeah i i want to talk about a little bit about um the various women's like motivations for committing murder because again yeah. in various endings we have some of the female characters being murderers or not um but the ones that we do find out about like in ending c for example we learn that Mrs. White's motive for killing Yvette was like jealousy. Like Yvette and her husband had had a, an affair, so See, she kills. See, I thought about I thought about that too, but I ended up landing on being like, 
I kind of it kind of ended up being a wash for me because she mm-hmm. at least it's not that situation where it's like the woman will just kill the woman who cheated with the husband and the husband gets no comeuppance. True. She kills all of her husbands, too. Yeah. Good point. So, I mean, I don't <laughs> like the jealousy motive, but at least if it had to be any of the female characters killing someone out of jealousy, at least with her character, it bugs me less because, you know, she's already killed five men. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's examine some of these other ones. We've got Miss Scarlet killed the cop in ending C. So that one doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Peacock killed the cook. So that's a woman killing a woman. But I forget even why. She was the informant or something. I mean, no one's motivation for murdering makes sense. The, the plot is often nonsensical and it is very difficult to track. So yeah, maybe... I mean, the one that did stick out to me the most was like the jealousy one in ending C, at least. Um, And endings Mm -hmm. A and B, you have Yvette and Miss Scarlet killing everyone or Mrs. Peacock killing everyone. I'd really have to go back and rewatch what all the motives were for those women to kill the other women. So maybe this conversation is just moot. It is kind of hard to track in terms of the endings, like what is like somewhat sexist and what is just simply bad writing. Mm hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Let's see. I wanted to point out that, okay, so a lot of attention is brought to the fact that Tim Curry steps in dog shit at the beginning of the movie. And I yes. kept thinking that was going to pay off in some way. It doesn't. It Not doesn't. at all. There's a few insert shots in this movie that you're like, why did you draw our attention to that? Right? Is that is another that red, herring? red herring? <laughs> I don't but know. But then if it never, but it can't be a red herring if it never comes up ever exactly. again. It's just like a thing. It's just bad writing. Um, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, there's, there's probably going to be like a poopy footprint that like is a clue, but that never happens. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't, I mean... I didn't love another like Mrs. White choice was I didn't love when they had her like try to seduce Wadsworth at the end. I didn't think that that was super necessary, mm-hmm. but it's I, I don't all the endings suck. I'm like, I just <laughs> the endings are just a full like, pff, I don't know. Maybe this goes back to the kind of femme fatale conversation. But um, in the beginning of the movie, Colonel Mustard quotes Kipling. Yes bad person saying the female of the species is more deadly than the male and it's Mm -hmm. like okay is that foreshadowing of some of those endings i feel like maybe that's as close as the movie gets for you to be like ooh, suspicion but (laughs) it is weird how little the movie tries to get you to suspect anyone they're just like don't know (laughs) also just another fun fact i learned was that mr bean almost played tim curry's part but he wasn't Mr. Bean yet, and people mm. said he wasn't famous enough. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Bean visibility very low in this movie. Very low in this movie. Which is, you know. But Frankenfurter uh, visibility high. Oh, I love Tim Curry. I was thinking about, I, I think I'm going to watch the Tim Curry It soon. I have never seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, it's pretty good. I have yeah. some issues with it, but Tim Curry as It... <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, it has to be great. Amazing. You'll (laughs) love it. I'm excited. Um, Yeah, I think that's about all I had to say. Do you have anything else, Jamie? No. I mean, it's the rompometer. I mean, Caitlin, what do you say? I say it's pretty high. It's a 10 out of 10 on the Caitlin rompometer. It's 100%. Everyone's romping away. Um, (laughs) Especially Act 3 when Tim Curry is dashing around the house 
it gets so 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 rompy then yeah i i don't know i mean it's like this movie is so fun it puts me in a good mm-hmm. mood i love whodunits and i love whodunits that don't take themselves super seriously and this is like on the far end of that spectrum yeah but like there's i mean whodunits that take themselves very seriously can be such a drag that movie gosford park it's like three hours long and you're just like oh, oh i need to rewatch that i barely mm. remember that one it's not great i mean it's i think it was like critically acclaimed but it's deeply boring it's so boring mm. like you know whodunits they gotta be fast and they gotta be fun and this is clue does it it's great there's a movie i think you would like it's not really a whodunit but it takes place in the context of like a rich family and it all it mostly takes place within their mansion mm-hmm. but that movie ready or not oh i haven't seen that it I was think fun that, i liked it a lot i'm down i'm like i'm looking for for fun like thrillers and whodunits are are my shit like it puts me in a good mood yay yeah <laughs> so does this movie pass the bechdel test Honestly, I have no idea because I was too busy trying to follow the plot to pay attention to that. <laughs> I, I was I was also a little unclear. I think that there are passing things where there's a few times where like Mrs. Peacock will say something to Scarlet and Scarlet will respond. But there's no there's no scene between two women. There is only like women talking to each other in passing in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. But the but it, often the subtext of the conversation is who killed this man uh right so or there's a man will respond to a like right i would say soft no there might be some barely passes but i would say probably not right because even though there is like pretty even there's like gender parody generally some of the side characters who come and then get murdered right away Mm -hmm. if you include everybody you see on screen there are probably more men but as far as like the core cast it feels like there are it's pretty split down the middle, mm-hmm. but anytime like characters have to pair off together, it's always like a man paired with a woman. There's there right. are no which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, definitely no extended conversations between women. It, yeah, like you said, it might just be like a two line thing here and there. But again, I didn't even notice there were. I wrote down my favorite um, exchange between two women. Hit it. This is uh, Miss Scarlet asking Mrs. Peacock at dinner. I think this is in response to Professor Plum, Mr. Plum, saying that he doesn't practice medicine anymore. And Miss Scarlet says, I think most men need a little practice. Don't you, Mrs. Peacock? But of course, that doesn't even pass because she says, yeah, men right in the damn sentence. She sure does. But yeah, I, I kind of stopped. I forgot to keep paying attention after the dinner scene of like women talking to each other, but there are a few, like, again, two line exchanges between women, but they're always like, Hey, Mrs. White, what does your husband do? Uh, That's like Mrs. Peacock asking her things like that. So it's basically a no, I would say no. And I guess let's just jump on over to the nipple scale. Yeah. So this is our, our nipple scale on a scale of one to five nipples. How well do we zero, feel? Zero to five. Zero. Sorry. Zero to five. Uh, I've been on this show before. Uh, the <laughs> zero to five uh, based on how, how well we feel it represents women. I'm going to give it. Mm, I think between how often we see women be assaulted. And even if the women push back against the man who is assaulting her in that moment, mm. the movie always frames it as a visual joke. And just between everything we've talked about, I'm going to give it maybe a two because some of the women, like the women do often, like you said, Jamie, have 
agency. They have motivations for murdering each other mm-hmm. and also murdering men. They're doing stuff. They're active participants in the story. I feel like of the discoveries that get made or the clues that get found and like the characters piecing things together Mm. I feel like it's mostly men doing that and it's honestly mostly Wadsworth like Tim Curry seems to be doing a lot of it but even like when they discover like the secret do okay I remember what's his name Colonel Mustard discovers the one secret passageway do you remember if it's Miss Scarlet that does the other one or is it him both times I I took that as a note as well that I (laughs) forgot to bring up earlier but yeah all of the plan making after the as the murders are being committed all of the plan making is initiated by Amen. male characters and all of all of the major discoveries unless there's something we're missing um are made by male characters but it's like colonel mustard at one point says okay this is what we need to do and then wadsworth takes over and it's like okay we're gonna do the short stick thing and blah 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 blah, blah. like right, 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 right women don't really initiate the plan ever okay In that case, I'm going to drop it down to one and a half nipples then. Mm -hmm. It is a really fun movie that I enjoy, but yeah, women aren't given enough to do. They're not given any sort of like skill. Because like with the Colonel Mustard thing being like, I'm military, so I have a good strategy. Like he's given a background that enables him to like do stuff, whereas all the women have her husbands and that's how they are identified except for miss scarlet Scarlet, who just ends up using her sexuality to like try to seduce people sometimes but then she also gets assaulted it's a mess one and a half nipples uh and i'll give i guess i'll just divvy them up between mrs peacock miss scarlet and mrs white but also yvette and also the cook no just kidding i'm gonna give all one and a half nipples to the cook she deserved far better than she got. Before I give, well, I'm also going to give it a one and a half, but I think Alfred Molina could have played Tim Curry's <gasps> part very well. Uh, yeah. He would have really been, uh, if there was ever a clue reboot, bring him in, he would kill it. And and Alfred Molina's never allowed to be identifiably British. So it would be a great opportunity <laughs> for him. True. I think Alfred Molina could have played every single part yeah like this is a movie made for him it's like kind of disappointing that he was not in it but and i don't mean every character would have been good for him i'm saying he should be cast in every single role a la nutty professor eddie murphy yeah yeah like when deep roy was every oompa loompa in the factory Uh yeah it's that. yes that's what i mean an all alfred molina reboot of glue I swear to God, mark my words, one day Alfred Molina is going to star in my Rasputin movie and then it's over for everybody. Um, I'm going to give this movie one and a half as well. I mm-hmm. I think that the whodunit genre has a lot of potential for women because you have to empower all your characters on a fairly even keel. But I don't think this movie mm-hmm. does the best of um, making use of that freedom and necessity. Um, I think if there had been a female writer involved or more women involved in general, um, that would probably not be the case but I like I mean I just all the performances from female actors in this movie are great uh for sure I I agree that the cook deserved better the cop deserved better uh it's a very I mean it's a very white movie and it's a very white genre um Mm -hmm. that is due for you know like some just different perspectives because it's like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure that there's ones I don't know about but like all the major whodunit canon is straight white guys yeah listeners if you have any suggestions for ones that deviate from that mold uh 
let us know. That would be great. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, and, and I love Ryan Johnson, but including Ryan Johnson. Um, yes. Anyways. Uh, yeah. 1.5. I'm going to give mine to Mrs. White because I like that she's a stone cold killer. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. Yeah. That's the episode, gang. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm about to disable our Facebook page because I uh, we don't check it. So if you want, Listen. email us instead. If you want to send us a message on Facebook or something, uh, instead, we have an email address that we always forget to give out, but it's thebechtelcast at gmail.com. It's infinitely more likely that we would see that than anything on Facebook. Sorry. True. Um, so RIP Facebook in general, (laughs) Mm uh, but, um, but yeah, contact us. And then now is also a great time to get on the Matreon wave. If you haven't, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been welcoming a lot of new members to the Matreon, um, but that's patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. There are, I think over 60 episodes at this point, um, just uh, additional movies, a lot of uh, popular requests that haven't been on the main feed or over there. And this month is a gathering before a wedding month. And <laughs> we're, we, we did Bridesmaids and we're releasing our Hangover episode soon. So that's yes. all that and more over on the Matreon. Indeed. Uh, you can also get our merch at tpublic.com slash thebechtelcast. Oh, here's another thing I would like to plug. Remember when I talked about Sludge earlier? Oh, yeah. Listen to my Sludge podcast. For crying out loud. The season two is great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, it's a focus on the first season is a focus on my personal experience operating within the broken healthcare system in the US where I was diagnosed with sludge, aka gallstones, and all the hoops I had to jump through to get any sort of treatment. Season two is an exploration of other people's stories with a particular focus on the bias they have been on the receiving end of uh, when it comes to healthcare professionals being biased towards various marginalized people and uh, how how certain patients have had a more difficult time accessing healthcare um, because of the patriarchal system that we live within. So check Yeehaw. that out. And listen to My Year in Mensa yes. as well. It's been out for a while, but hey, if you didn't, now, now, now you could. It's not against the law and you should give it a <laughs> shot. Not like murder is. Not like murder. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know. It's great. I love it so much. Listen to my year in Mensa. Listen to Sludge. And um, thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Do what you can for people and take care of, of your, your brain and your body. And we love you. We love you. Bye-bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.